tonight, the Federal Reserve, recessions, and you. You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Sprovac. Well, Steve, it's interesting because over the past week, we have all digested the fact that the Federal Reserve was likely going to do exactly what it did yesterday. Yeah. Yet still headlines this morning, and we were saying we're not going to talk about them, but I am because they're just so ridiculous, even talking about a complete economic collapse. Like, really? What the heck? Yeah, yeah. I I, I mean, I... 2008, 2009, still fresh in my mind. I mean, there were people that were asking me, Steve, am I going to be okay? And with a clear conscience, I couldn't say, yeah, don't worry about it. Because at the time, we didn't know. This is not 2008, 2009. It might not be, you know, a great time to be an economist or, you know, trying to predict what's going on or an investor. You've got some rough spots here and there. But, um, you know, is, is this the end of the world? No, it's not. And we feel very confident in this, not only because we're looking at this stuff day in and day out, but it's like if there was like a person who I knew who I would and I and I hope he's not listening because I don't want his head to get too big, who I would put on like the almost genius level of understanding economic concepts and principles. I'm right here. Numbers, I can hear you. I know you're talking about me. Is not exactly Steve Sprovac, oh, although he's okay. he's a close second. But of course, Andy Stout, <laughs> our chief investment yeah. officer, who who does he comes in on the yeah. show once a week and, and gives us his perspective. And he still feels very confident. I'm telling you, this guy eats, breathes and sleeps this stuff that we still don't feel like a recession is imminent. Will one happen? Yes, because one is always going to happen. It's a very natural part of the business cycle. But, you know, I I just thought it was so interesting today when I, and I did, I actually like jumped on the financial websites or whatever, and then I just put my laptop away for a few minutes because I was like, oh, you know, I don't think the sky is falling. I don't think we should be running around like our hair is burning. And yet, if you're going to read a lot of these things, it's exactly what it's going to tell you. No kidding. And and, and I agree with you 100 uh, percent with Andy. He is he is incredible. He's one of the smartest people I've ever met without having to tell you he's the smartest person yes. in the room. I'm always a little skeptical when somebody, you know, they, they try to make the point that they're, you know, they, they're really smart and they're very educated. Andy's not that guy. He doesn't have to say anything. He's the only guy I ever met. I mean, going going back to 08 and 09 where you know did you know did you see the news that come yeah when it came out at four in the morning i i set my alarm just so i'd i'd be on time did you really yes he really did you know that that kind of thing And, and you know credibility is not are you always right credibility is are you willing to stand behind your your opinion and change it if the data changes and to me that's 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 everything and, and the recession that everybody is talking about and most people are saying is a given it's not a given. I, I mean, you know, we're probably looking into 2023 if it is going to happen. Yeah. Is it possible? Yes. Is it probable? Yeah, maybe. But it's not a given. And, and that's where I think everybody's wrong. But we've got to talk about what is a recession? What does it mean to your investments? Uh, how bad is it? I In 40 years, I've been through a number of them. They're not fun, but you get through them. And there are certain opportunities If you can keep your eyes open and your mind off of the we're going down to zero concept, which too many people buy into and has never happened and and I hope never does. Well, and let's talk about because there's bear markets, there's recessions, bear market. We're already in bear market territory. We we reached there this week. It's it's.
it's 20% down. The market's down 20% from a recent high. I think the last time the S&P 500, the recent high that we're looking at is like January 3rd of this year. Yeah. Um, and then we have been steadily heading downhill, it seems like, ever since. And you made a great point um, in, in a meeting that we've had recently about the fact that, okay, is a, a typical bear market, it, it goes down, what, 30 35%. Yeah. Yeah. We're not that far from the low at this point. Um, and I don't think that, they, well, there's some headlines that are saying this is the worst thing that's ever happened. Most smart people who look at these things don't think that even if we're heading for a recession, it's going to be the worst one we've ever seen. Yeah. We're not looking at an 07, 08, 09 or the Great Depression all over again. It's just not where we are. And I think kind of maintaining some of that perspective is really critical right now. And then if you want to look at a recession, that's there's multiple definitions of it. But I think one of the most widely used is kind of two consecutive quarters of contracting economy, right? The economy yeah, getting yeah. smaller. We saw Q1. That's exactly what we saw. Um, you know, question re remains to be seen whether, and the thing about a recession is you've already been in one before you know you're there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, and that's the most common definition, but it's really not what the Department of Labor looks at when, when they quantify something as a recession. But let, let's go with that. So second quarter of this year, yeah, first quarter, I think we were down 1.4% in gross domestic product. Um, second quarter, the estimates are around nine-tenths of a percent positive. It wouldn't take much to push us over the edge, but I, I, I don't think anybody's really expecting that. But let, let's just say Steve is totally, totally wrong. And yeah, it is worst case scenario and we go into a recession, yeah, they, they vary in their degree. How bad does the bear market that results from the recession get? But, you know, 35, 38 percent, we're already down 20. So what's that mean? Do, does your in, do, do your stocks go down to zero? No, they never have. And, and, and you know, especially, you know, the big indexes, um, you're going to buffer some of the, you know, real bad performers with some of the ones that don't get hurt as much. And when you invest in the Standard & Poor's 500, there's 500 companies that you're looking at. So if we're already down 20 and, you know, pretty much worst case scenario is 34, 35, 36 percent. OK, now we're starting to get a little realistic over if things really pan out poorly this is about what you can expect for further downside, and maybe that doesn't even happen. Again, we're assuming a recession. I'm not sure it's going to happen because usually a recession is organic. It's where a business cycle kind of matures, businesses slow down, demand starts to get reduced, layoffs begin to occur, and then we start seeing data that indicates we may enter a recession. That's not the case. We've still got two jobs for every person unemployed. There are still supply chain issues that will get resolved. You know, price of gas, yeah, okay. They need they need to change their attitude with, uh, you know, regulations and, and regulatory approvals and drilling permits and that sort of thing for it to come down substantially. But will it keep rising at the rate it's been rising? No. I, you know, at some point, supply and demand start to equal out. So, you know, I, I, I don't buy into that there is an imminent recession. I'm not sure there's going to be one, but it could happen. If it does, it's not the end of the world with stocks. And I'd like to talk a little bit about bonds, too. You're listening to Simply Money tonight here on 55KRC. Man, the headlines today. We've 
you know, total economic collapse and uh, things of those sort. We are here, as always, to provide you with perspective, right? Yes, it is not the rosiest picture of the economy. And certainly if you're at the at the pump or you're checking your 401k, may not be the most comfortable your personal economy has ever felt. But again, we do want to provide you with that perspective. And also, Steve, I think that during times like this, there's so much that we can't control. And a little perspective is on what you can control, right? As yeah. an investor, what you can be doing during these times. Or sometimes it's even what you need to remind yourself to do. Yeah, there's no question. First of all, what you don't do is try to time the market, say things are, are getting worse and worse and worse, and get out after the big loss. And I'll give you a great example. Bonds. Bonds got crushed first quarter of this year. Well, if we do go into recession, what generally occurs? Money comes out of stocks, goes into bonds. Well, yeah, flows bonds into do bonds. well. Yeah, exactly. So honestly, if you've got a lot of money in bonds and, and you're really worried about the losses that we haven't seen since 1980, a recession might be the thing you hope for. Now, it wouldn't yeah. help your stocks necessarily, but it would. It, it most likely will help your bonds. But, you know, the, the, the whole point is if we're seeing a slowing in the economy – don't do anything rash on your investments. It's a tough thing to do to stay the course and stick with your plan. But if you went into it diversified, you'll come out of it. This will not be the first time that you don't see investments pull out of it. it may take longer than you want, but they always have. They most likely always will pull out. For those of you who have credit cards that, right, get that paid off, prioritize getting that paid down because as we see the Federal Reserve raise the Fed funds rate, then every other sort of consumer rate falls in short order. So you can expect that, man, by the end of this year, those credit card interest rates, those APRs that we were already yeah. seeing close to 20% are actually going to like physically hurt you. I feel like, like it's going to get really painful. So make sure if you or someone you know and love has a lot of credit card debt that you actually understand how truly important it is to get that off of the plate right now. And in savings, I, I'm not a proponent ever, ever, ever of going to all to cash, but I definitely see, especially for people who are getting close to retirement, you know, we talk about having a, an emergency yeah. fund all the time. And for a lot of people, having an emergency fund is a tough pill to swallow because during times when the stock market is doing well, you know, your money's sitting there in the bank making 0.0005% oh, yeah. and your investments are making, you know, 12% or whatever. And so that that's a tough pill for a lot of people to swallow. The reason why we advocate for that is exactly for times like this. Well, yeah. I, I mean, how many people in October, November of last year were calling up their advisors saying, hey, I've got this money doing nothing in the bank and I'm making, you know, really good returns returns in my investments. I'd like to put some of this money to work. Okay. To me, that's a sign that the market's pretty much at a high, which it turned out it was. But you have been, you in particular, Amy, you've been harping on the value of an emergency fund. And yes. this is a perfect time. I had a, a uh, an investor I've worked with for years and years. I spoke with him this morning. He's going to need to take some money out later this year. And he said, it's a good thing I've got that money set aside in cash because unless things change drastically between now and then, that's where I'm going to pull it from. Yep. He's not worried about the rest of his account because his cash flow needs are taken care of by his emergency fund that he'll replenish when the investments rebound. So, I, I mean, you talk about a, a, a complete difference in anxiety levels, the person with lots of cash that does need some in a down market versus the person with no emergency fund that has to sell when things are down 20%, two totally different scenarios. 
maybe nothing you could do now, but when we eventually get the rebound, if you don't have an emergency fund, please put that number one on your priority list. Absolutely. Here's a Simply Money point. The stock market has eventually overcome every recession we've ever had. So knowing this before, I think, helps prevent you from making any rash and maybe even stupid moves. Coming up, interesting things coming down the pike for July, whether it's Amazon Prime Day or something you need to know if you have medical debt. We'll get into that. Also, you've got money questions. We've got your answers as we ask the advisor. You're listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Sprovec. If you can't listen to Simply Money every night, we'll subscribe to our weekly podcast. The best of Simply Money, you'll find it on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. Shoot ahead at 643, why it is critically important not to panic. Don't panic about your 401k your savings right now. We're going to get into that. All right. Some big news coming up next month. Actually, a couple of different things, but let's start with you, Amazon Prime lovers, because Prime Day was just announced. 3 a.m. on Tuesday, July 12th. Let me ask you this. Do you set your alarm? (laughs) No. No, I do not. I do not. Yeah, so it starts on January 12th, runs through Wednesday the 13th. Um, I feel like I used to get more into Amazon Prime Day than I than I do now. It used to be interesting yeah. to me. I used to fall into a rabbit hole. I would, you know, get to work in the morning and, like, look at what the deals were, and then half hour later realize I'm still on Amazon. Yeah, yeah. Most of the time, what I have experienced over the years there is if you like the Amazon family of things, the kind of Amazon ecosystem, whether it's the Echo, Alexa, you know, the Fire Stick, those sorts of things, great deals on those things. Everything else, eh. Well, you know, in in the beginning, it was kind of like another Black Friday. People get all worked up over it. You know, day after Thanksgiving was kind of like the same as Amazon Prime Day. And I I think people are over it now. It's just become, you know, when is it? Yeah, I guess there might be a couple deals. Yeah, yeah. And and I don't think the workers like it because a lot of orders do come in and they're under under the gun to get them out. So, uh, yeah. And to your point, kind of how you know, Black Friday has sort of been watered down. Deals for Amazon Prime Day start this Tuesday, right? So several weeks in advance. And of course, again, they're going to offer those Amazon devices, the fourth generation of Echo Dot, uh, the Kindle Paperweight, those kinds of things. I'm going to tell you, here's a website um, to jot down if you are really interested in this. I don't know why they came up with this name, but it's Camel, Camel, Camel. Uh, (laughs) I knew. I knew you were going there. You knew it was coming. (laughs) Exactly. I think a lot of times we get sucked into these special days and we think, these deals are such great deals. Whatever it is, put the information into Camel, 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 and it will give you the history of that product going back as long as you want to. It's interesting because in some cases, um, they will feature a product that's actually more expensive right now than it was a few months ago uh, because they know you're going to think it's a deal. So do your homework first. Wait, wait, wait. Are you telling me retailers sometimes mark up prices before they announce a sale to bring it back to the price it was at two <laughs> Amazing, weeks before? isn't it? No. Yes. These um, things happen. Know about them, right? But yeah, Camel, 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 if you're interested in Amazon Prime. 
one day. More July news. For those of you who have carried any kind of medical debt in the past, mark your calendars because that's when it's going to impact your credit score in a very different way. Uh, so if it's had a negative impact on your credit score, that medical debt may not anymore. Yeah, and unfortunately, I know a few people that have gotten into this boat. I mean, you know, sometimes you run into medical conditions, you're on precarious financial ground to begin with, and yep. you're just you're just off the cliff when that happens. It Up until now, it used to be carried for seven years. If you couldn't pay off that debt, it followed you around like a bankruptcy. Well, the, the rules are changing. First half of 2023, credit bureaus will stop including anything less than $500. And um, as long as it's paid off, they don't keep it on your credit report any longer. That That's as of July 1st. And you get six months before it ever even appears on there, right? And I know some people, it just kind of knocks you off kilter for a little while. It takes you a few months to, yeah. you know, kind of get your your footing underneath of you again. Well, if that's you, it shouldn't impact you at all. So I think this is a great win for the consumer uh, and one that absolutely so, goes into effect so, on so, July 1st. So, so wait a second. So you can not pay your doctor to have some extra money to buy things on Amazon Prime Day. Is that, is that the conclusion here? That is what Steve Sprovac is now saying on <laughs> no, the not. airwaves. Just kidding. Just <laughs> I am not. Kidding. Okay. <laughs> All right. What are your money questions? I guess we could ask Steve uh, based on his last advice. I'm not so sure. We know you've got money questions. It's time to ask the advisor. You've got some. Send us your questions at asksimplymoney at allworthfinancial.com. Asksimplymoney at allworthfinancial.com. First question tonight comes from Chris, who lives in Mason. My company offers both the traditional 401k and a Roth 401k. So what do you think? Is one better to contribute to than the other? Yeah, you know, it's great because more and more companies are adding these. I I, I like I love choice. choices. It, it, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, options are a good thing. If yeah. you're stuck without options, well, you don't have any choices. Um, it reminds me of the old Fram oil filter commercial. It, you know, some people are old enough to remember, you can pay me now or you can pay me later. Well, you know, a traditional 401k, it's pre-tax money. And when you pull it out, yeah, you pay tax on the income that you receive from the distribution or, or it's considered income. So you pay tax on the amount you take out. With a Roth 401k, you pay tax when you earn the money. It's not pre-tax, it's after-tax money. But when you draw it out with certain restrictions, five years, 59 and a half, and that sort of thing, it's a freebie. No yeah. tax due. So it is an awesome tool. And the younger you are, the better off you are in the Roth 401k. But you know what? A lot of people want that tax break up front. So sometimes you're going to want to split the dollars. You just have to look at both sides of it and, and decide for yourself, would you rather not pay tax now and pay it later or pay tax now and have that money come out tax free down the road? The younger you are, the more advantageous the Roth 401k is. I'm a huge fan of having the flexibility of yeah. being able to pull money from both in retirement. So I say both. And I also would say, um, make sure you understand if you have a company match where that money goes. Yeah. Because there's some companies that will only put the match into a traditional 401k. So you put some of your money into both, um, you know, and they will match sort of in that place. Next question comes from Bill, who lives in Mount Lookout. Just changed jobs. Want to roll over my 401k? Is it better? 
better to roll into my new company's 401k or into a traditional IRA, which provides more choices of funds? Yeah, the first thing I'm going to say is take a few minutes and, and you know, breathe on this decision. Yes. Some people want to do it immediately. It's a and first thing they want to get to. No, and, and a lot of investment advisors, especially the ones that earn their living on commissions, they're going to tell you, you got to do it right now. And here, I'm the only person. Um, beware anybody who makes five, six, seven percent of whatever amount you're rolling over. Not saying that it's the uh, bad decision, but just understand where they're coming from, where their conflict of interest is. I, I mean, rolling into a, uh, your new company's 401k is certainly an option. Yeah, and I think it is, you know, the, the worst option is, of course, cashing it out. And you're not asking about that. So we're grateful yeah, for that yeah. because that's what Uncle Sam wants you to do. So that's your worst option. But really kind of educating yourself on your current plan or the past plan and the new plan and which one kind of has the better options. You can leave it. You can roll it into an IRA. It's up to you. Really, it's just a, a numbers game, right? Which makes the most sense for you. Coming up, a new study shows consumer sentiment is lower than ever right now. So why are we all spending so much money? And what are we spending it on? We're going to tackle those questions next. You're listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money tonight. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Sprovac. You know, a lot of the headlines right now talk about the sky is falling, the economy even collapsing. I actually saw that headline. We've got a lot of smart people who keep a close eye on every aspect of the economy. And joining us tonight, one of them who is incredibly smart, of course, senior industry analyst from Bankrate.com, Ted Rossman, speaking specifically about the retail sales report. Um, and Ted, I think there are a lot of people who are very uneasy about the economy. So I'm wondering, what do you see in the retail sales report? I saw a brighter picture than a lot of people did. I know the headline was about how growth fell from April to May, and it was the first negative month in five. I would point out that the year-over-year comparison was better. It was plus 8.1%. The naysayers there would say, well, this report's not indexed for inflation, and when you factor inflation in, that's more or less break even or, or even slightly negative. I hear all that, but I would note that this report is almost all goods. The only service in here is bar and restaurant sales. And that actually did really well, which is one of my positive talking points, that bar and restaurant sales were up 17.5% year over wow. year. I think that shows that even despite inflation, people still have money to spend. They still have this willingness to go out and eat at bars and restaurants and drink, you know, that, that's something that could have been cut easily if people were really worried about inflation. Um, the other thing is that we knew there was going to be some pullback on goods. Everybody was home the past couple of years. They were buying furniture and electronics and exercise equipment and all this stuff. We knew there was going to be some deterioration there and people would start to travel and eat out and go to ball games and all that stuff. That's definitely happening, but if retail sales are more or less breaking even with inflation, even despite these challenges, I just think it could have been a lot worse. When you look at the U.S. economy, um, Ted Rossman from Bankrate.com, as you look at um, the fact that two-thirds of it, of it is made up of consumer spending, right, what we spend, what I hear you saying is we're sort of transitioning from kind of maybe buying but also um, – Looking at goods versus services, we're kind of now at the point where we're into more services, right? How can we go out? How can we have fun? How can we travel and experience life maybe more than buy the goods now? 
Exactly. Travel demand has been super high. Dining out demand has been super high. I just point to both of those as indications that maybe things feel worse than they are because consumer sentiment is at its lowest point on record. But yet we do have a strong job market. We do have all this pent up demand as we move on from the pandemic. I think a lot of people have saved more the past couple of years. Now, not everybody's doing well, and some people are probably going into debt to finance some of these things. But I still think the overall picture is stronger than maybe some of the headlines would have you believe. I know the Fed needs to get a handle on inflation, and they're working on that. Um, So it's not all good news. I mean, we look at this report Gas station sales, obviously, were way up year over year and month over month. That's totally an inflation story. Uh, Mentioned bars and restaurants were strong. That's a bright spot. Uh, Clothing retailers are doing well, despite the fact that some of them are starting to report too much inventory, and Mm -hmm. that may actually lead to some discounts. So probably good for consumers, maybe not for their business. Um, And then one other thought would be some of the bigger ticket items. That was more of a mixed bag, more of a negative story that car sales, electronics, appliances, those were down significantly year over year. Partly, I think, the supply chain, but there I think we're starting to see some worries about inflation and is this the right time to make a big ticket purchase? So that's where we kind of get two ends of the spectrum. It's like all systems go on vacation, but Uh, maybe I'm going to hold off on purchasing that new fridge or TV or or couch. Well, when we first started looking at inflation, and I think it was probably, what, mid to late last summer, and of course the word out there on the street at the time was it was transitory. It's going to be short-lived. Now we've seen it's going to be kind of anything but that. So I would expect that consumers would maybe be shifting our behavior um, at some point because we are. We're paying so much more at the pump. We're paying so much more at the grocery store. What I guess I hear you saying is we've kind of prioritized experiences like travel at this point, um, maybe then at the expense of maybe some other consumer goods that we would be buying. I think that's exactly what's happening in the short term. I think that's very much the summer story. The thing that people are starting to worry about, though, is what happens in the fall and winter, because when kids are back in school, when people get some of this pent up demand to travel and eat out out of their system, what if there's a recession at that point? I mean, a lot of people are saying there could well be a recession in the next, say, six to nine months. Sure. That's a potential risk ahead is um, what happens next. And that's always what Wall Street's all about is like what happens next. Um, you know, we'll have to see. I, I still think there's some more underlying strength in some of these consumer spending and savings and debt numbers. I, I still think there's some slack there. Like even if we get back to more normal rates. Um, current credit card delinquencies are super low and defaults are super low. And you know, yes, the personal saving rate has come down, but a lot of people are still sitting on excess savings from the past couple of years. It's one of these K-shaped recovery kind of things, yep. in my view. I, I think a lot of people are doing well. Sadly, others are more vulnerable. So what do you think, Ted, as you look at these numbers, right, the May retail sales report, what do you think the biggest takeaway is for consumers? Like, what do we need to know and kind of glean from this as far as the state of our economy now and going forward? I come back to the fundamentals and the fact that, you know, a lot of the advice I would give is is probably true almost all the time, like paying down debt. If you have credit card debt, it's already expensive and it's getting more so. So we want to be really thoughtful about that. And to the extent that 
you could maybe delay a big purchase if that's going to end up putting you deeper into debt. Maybe you should hold off. Or are there ways to up your savings? Whether a recession is around the corner or not, I think these are good thoughts. Um, but I would also advise people that it's a good time to stay the course on your 401k savings, even though markets have been down. We know that you want to stick with it, buy low, sell high later on down the road. And I, I think that this word recession scares a lot of people, but mm-hmm. I would note that even if we get one, there's a good chance it could be mild, it could be short-lived. We don't see any sort of major warning signs in terms of a credit crisis or a big bubble or something like that. It it may end up being more of a technical sort of thing. And, and we already saw some of that in the first quarter with that negative GDP reading that was largely technical factors like inventories and the supply chain. Yeah, when you look at the fact that a market's already down, what, 20, 20 plus percent right now, the average bear market recession is 30 to 35 percent. I mean, for people who think the sky is going to fall, actually, it may not get that much worse. We might be kind of in the worst of it right now, potentially. That's a great way to put it. Yeah, I think that maybe a lot of the pain is already priced in. Um, But again, the winners and losers kind of thing. If you have credit card debt, that's getting more expensive. If you have a home equity line of credit, that's going up or private student loans. You know, these are the kind of variable rate debts that are more sensitive to higher interest rates. And then if you're looking to take out a new mortgage, I do worry about the housing market in the sense that prices are already high. Rates have gone up tremendously from three and a quarter percent at the end of last year to five and three quarters now Mm -hmm. is the average 30 year fixed rate mortgage. If you're looking to buy your first house or if you're looking to trade up, That's going to be tough. And low inventory may not improve because there's not as much incentive to move. If you're going to trade your current three or three and a half percent mortgage for a six percent mortgage on a house that costs more, I think a lot of people are going to be staying put. Yeah. Great insights, as always, from Ted Rossman, senior industry analyst from Bankrate.com. As we look at these numbers, right, retail sales, what it means for the economy. Great takeaways, though, on what it means for you and what you need to be concentrating on now, right? What you can control. You're listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Sprovec. Straight ahead, the art of negotiation and why it's important to become better at it. All right, the word panic. And we there's a lot of headlines talking about panic selling right now. And I think the definition, Steve, is really interesting. We say words all the time. We don't think about the actual definition. Sudden, uncontrollable fear or anxiety. Here's the part that's interesting to me. Causing wildly unthinking behavior. (laughs) If you have found yourself on a cliff getting ready to take everything out of your 401k and going all to cash, I would say that is wildly unthinking behavior. (laughs) Well, there's nothing going on. I mean, inflation. Why would anyone feel that way, right? Yeah. Remnants of COVID, maybe another wave. Markets are down. Uh, You you know, what's what? Me worry? Alfred Newman. Uh, Yeah. You know, Alfred E. Newman. But, you know, there are I, I completely get why people are upset. I happen to be in, you know, in this business, and I've done this for 40 years. I, I've seen this happen so many times. The names have changed, but they, re, you know, it, it's still the same. And to me, it's crystal clear how you react in markets like this. But for the person who's not plugged in, doesn't do this every day, hasn't been through this all the time, it's a pretty scary time. 
And that's why I think it's so important that we provide perspective right now. Um, let's just look back a little bit, right, on some things yeah. that you might remember very well and some things that you might have forgotten about. The 2007-2009 financial crisis. Oh, right? I remember that one. Incredibly painful. I've told this story before on the show, but I remember getting my 401k statement in the mail as I was pushing a child, uh, you know, in the swing set in our backyard and literally feeling nauseous. And I remember him being like, Mommy, what's wrong? And I was like, thinking like, oh my gosh, I made this down 40, 45%. I'll never be able to retire. Yeah. Incredibly painful. 2011, America's national debt so high, treasury bonds downgraded by the ratings firm for the first time ever, right? Not the safest yep. possible investment that you can, that you can have. Um, 2011 to 2014, Europe, right? We're such a global economy now, racked by a debt crisis so bad. It was 100% guaranteed to break up the entire European Union and completely destroy the euro. Remember those headlines? Yeah, and, and don't forget the pandemic. I mean, we shut down the economy. It was scary in 2020. At one point, stocks were down. I, I think they were down within the space of about a week, Ooh. somewhere around, I think it was 22, 23%. Yes. Something. No, wait, wait a second. We broke 30, didn't we? I think we broke 30 at one yeah, point. Yeah. I don't know if it was within yeah, one week, ago. but yes. Yeah, so, so what happened during that entire time period? Global stocks over that period, with all that bad stuff going on, we're up 470 percent. 470 percent. The Standard & Poor's 500, up 560 percent. So that's if you just let everything go, didn't make any decisions. You had every reason in the world to dump everything, move to cash, whatever you wanted to do. I need to feel better. I need to stem the losses. I'll get out and get back in when the dust settles. Whatever justification you had, as long as you didn't do that, you wound up making a lot of money. Well, and if you had um, this, this steady thought of, I'm not only not going to sell during this time, but hey, stocks are on sale. I'm going to buy. Yeah. You actually bought when prices were low, then watched them go way up. So you did even better than everyone else who just stayed the course. Uh, and so understanding, I think, you know, very few people right now are using the word opportunity yeah. um, when we're talking about the current economic climate and what the markets are doing right now. But for those who see it as the opportunity that le legitimately it is, um, based on what we've seen historically, we'll probably do very well because of that decision. Hey, Amy, one of, one of the rules in investing is most people do the wrong thing. Yes. And, and I remember I was talking to you back, it was like November, December, and I told you I had a friend, 80 year or late 70s uh, year old, Call me up, and he had a few extra dollars in savings and, you know, a few thousand dollars. And he said, Steve, i, I got to get this money working. It's doing nothing. And I said to you, that's when you know you're near the top, when 80-year-olds yep. want to take their money out of their emergency fund right. and invest it. Because okay? you can't lose, right? You feel exactly. like you can't lose at when, that point. When everybody's on board with this thing's going to the moon, there aren't any new buyers. And there's one direction. Eventually, it might not be that day, but eventually the markets are going to head. Well, it works the opposite way also. When everybody says, this is bad, it's going to get worse. There's get me no out. Reason. Yeah, get me out. There's no reason to have any optimism. The four most dangerous words, this time is different. Mm -hmm. we, we've talked about that. 
guess what? That's usually the time to buy. In, in all these market cycles I, I've been through over the course of my career, when the market is at the bottom, it's not obvious that you're starting to pull out and things are starting to look brighter. Matter of fact, that's usually when things are most negative. There's the old phrase of darkness, it's darkest before the dawn. Yeah. It's the truth. You generally don't see the the green shoots, the, the signs for optimism for months after the bottom. And you're wondering, why is this market starting to go up when all the news is bad? That's the way it works. So I'm not saying dump your money in the market right now, but, you know, by by any stretch. But, you know, it doesn't stay like this forever. And we will get through it. We always have. And when stocks are cheap, the news isn't always good. It's usually pretty darn negative. But if you want to buy low and sell high, you've got to buy when stocks are cheap. Here's a simply winning point. If you panic, right, when the market is down like it is now, you'll miss out on the gains when it's not. And those gains happen much more often. Coming up next, tricks and tips on how to negotiate so you can really get what you want and you don't have to look like a jerk in order to do it. We'll tell you how. You're listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Sprovac. Are you someone who just isn't good at negotiating? The whole thought of it makes you uncomfortable. I have lots of friends who feel that way. I love to negotiate, do and you? you love to negotiate, I too. Yeah, I, I do. And you don't have to be a jerk to negotiate. It no. doesn't have to be adversarial. But I, I think a lot of people, and I'm one of these people, I hate conflict. I hate I do too. arguments. I hate seeing people argue. Even if I'm watching TV, I don't like to see an argument. And and to me, negotiating is not that. One of, one of my good friends from, from years ago taught me without knowing he was teaching me how to negotiate. He was in a shop buying a snowmobile. And after he talked and learned a little bit more and decided, okay, this is the model I want, he said something which I've used every time since then. He said, I, I, I want to buy this, but I don't want to pay full price. What's the lowest price you're willing to sell this for to keep me from walking out the door? And it just changed the, the dynamic. And, yeah, there was a price, and they agreed to it, and everybody walked away happy. Yeah. No one felt like they had been taken for a ride, right? Exactly. Or taken advantage of. We talk about the importance of negotiating, but this new survey released by Fidelity, nearly 60% of those ages 25 to 35 took your last job offer without negotiating. Those who did, though, close to 90% of them got at least some of what yeah. they were asking for. I remember when I first started working, just being so grateful to have a job, I would have never considered negotiating. And it actually wasn't until, I don't know, maybe like five, six, seven years into my career, one of my bosses said, I, you know, I worked on a contract basis and he said, okay, you know, contract is up, negotiate a new contract. Corporate is saying, this is the amount that I can give you. I said, well, then tell corporate, I won't be here when the contract is up. Yeah, and nice. it was like, what? And I actually said, I'm leaving on vacation. Here is what I think is fair. This is the lowest amount I'm going to come back for. Got a call the next day. We'll see you when you get back. Um, contra you know, your rate has been approved. And sometimes wow. it's just kind of knowing what you're worth. And listen, it's not, yeah. you know, astronomical. I wasn't asking for a 10% raise or anything like that. Yeah. Um, but it was what I felt was fair. And I did it in a way that was non-emotional non-confrontational yeah. uh, and it does it does work especially right now we're during the we're in the midst of what's being called the great resignation if you're not negotiating you're losing out well and you said something and, and that's a perfect phrase you said know your worth 
I, yes. I mean, it, it, first of all, it, it kind of helps you in negotiating if you're a good worker and you show up on time and you do sure. everything necessary. You have to but, know if you can negotiate, right? Exactly. Sometimes you are just lucky to have that job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but put yourself in the other person's shoes. They know you're a good worker. They don't want to go through the hassle of training somebody new, finding somebody, going through all that garbage. So use that to your advantage. Hey, I love working here. I love my relationship with you, my supervisor, but here's what I need. And it is so much easier to negotiate when you get the job than to try to get a raise later. So you definitely want to set the stage during those early interviews, assuming that you're the person that they need. And you can also ask, what can you negotiate on? If they say, absolutely, this is the this is the absolute highest we can go money-wise, okay, then what about extra time off, right? Can I get an extra week of vacation? You know, they will negotiate on something. The key is knowing where they will give. You've been listening to Simply Money tonight here on 55KRC, the talk station.